Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Any Given You podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Megan, and we have another fantastic show ready here for you today. So let's get into it. It's action-packed. We're going to be talking about a lot of things today. Today, we're discussing the upcoming 2023 college football season through the lens of a lot of the different fresh faces and new places when we're talking about the coaching changes this year. We're going to talk about some of the most exciting uh, games and non-conference matchups that are coming into this season that we're very excited to take a look at. And we are also going to talk about some teams that could crash the party and really upset the title picture uh, later in the year, if not certainly the conference picture. Uh, as we move forward now, we are under 100 days away from the new season, I think 94 to be precise when this episode will air. So very, very interesting and fun show. But before we get into everything we discussed that we're going to get into, I would like to start this episode by playing a little bit of uh, trivia. I enjoy trivia a lot. I love some good dive bar trivia. I like going out and you know playing and, and, and showing how smart I am at the random useless knowledge. And so I've taken this and I've applied this now to the lens of college football. So something we've been having fun with in this offseason here, especially over at the Any Given You Facebook group, which if you are not a member over there, you are really missing out because that is a really fun community over there, as well as our Instagram at Any Given You. I post these uh, little trivia questions called Who Are You? The, with the letter U, obviously, the play on words like we like to use here. And uh, basically, I'll just give you a little bit of a random factoid about a certain team, obviously not giving you the name of that team. And by the end of the episode, I will review the answer to whatever that question is. But I definitely want to want to try this here on this episode and just see if uh, if any of y'all happen to know the answers to these questions. And obviously, it's a little thought provoking stuff and it's a fun little game. So let's play. Who are you here at the beginning of this episode? Here we go. This current Conference USA team won an FCS national championship in 2002. They were led by players like quarterback Willie Taggart, halfback Rod Smart, who later went on to play in the XFL as he hate me. Uh, some of the listenership might be a little too young to remember that, but I'm willing to bet some of you do remember that and free safety Mel Mitchell, who is an all-conference player. This program was an early 2000s 1AA powerhouse. However, just 10 years prior to their winning their FCS National Championship, the program was actually nearly disbanded. With the efforts of then-head coach Jack Harbaugh, that is John and Jim's dad, this team was able to rally strong enough alumni support and fundraising to avoid being shut down. The program is very young in terms of competing at the FBS level with just 14 seasons under their belt and a 96 and 84 record since 2009. Who are you? And we will answer that question at the end of this episode. But let's get into the rest of the content. This offseason's coaching cycle uh it it doesn't it didn't quite have the kind of star power, high profile moves that we saw last year, for example, like Lincoln Riley heading to USC and Brian Kelly at LSU. But there are still some really exciting changes and notable changes. 
Obviously, we have Deion Sanders, who has taken up residency at Colorado, Matt Rule at Nebraska, Luke Fickle at Wisconsin, Hugh Freeze making the move back into the SEC at Auburn. Although, like I said, they're not really the, the, the headliner type names for coaches splashing at new programs. There have been more coaching carousel moves this year than last season. So we definitely want to un unpack that a little bit with these coaching changes. And I, I would like to start at Arizona State with Kenny Dillingham taking over the reins of that program. Now, obviously, we have the departure of head coach Herm Edwards in sort of the uh, I, I don't, a dumpster fire. Let's just be honest with, with what happened there at Arizona State. So uh, and you hate it for a guy like Herm Edwards, who's, who's been such a positive guy for so many people and a real player's coach in his time, you know, uh, as as a as a coach from the NFL level, you know, down to the, the collegiate level. But just uh, too many, too many, too much mismanagement of that program. Obviously, we know what happened with the recruiting violations and everything else. So in comes Kenny Dillingham. I think he's going to bring a, a fresh perspective there and an offensive expertise to potentially start laying the bedrock for turning this Arizona State program around. We know that he is a local boy. He is an Arizona State product himself. He did some really good work with Oregon last year, really revitalizing Bo Nix's beleaguered career up until that point. Bo Nix considered a, a rather sort of not living up to that, that five-star hype, kind of mediocre at Auburn, went off last year and ended up being a Heisman uh, candidate for, for a good part of the year. So it's really interesting to see that transition for Kenny Dillingham back to Arizona State, and he picks up the, you know, Jaden Rashada with all the recruiting star power that that kid had. We'll see if he'll live up to that, but it looks like he is probably going to have his quarterback of the present and future there to be able to build a roster around. So it should be interesting to see what happens there in Tempe. I'm interested in this multi-year rebuild there with Arizona State as Arizona, the state of, is really benefiting a lot from this California exodus we've talked about on previous episodes where, you know, you have so many population moves from the state of California right now that those orbiting states there are going to benefit from that population increase. And we've seen year after year in the state of Arizona, they are climbing up the recruiting charts in terms of ESPN top 500 prospects. We have guys like uh, Spencer Rattler has come out of Arizona, the state of Arizona. He's a product out of that state. Brock Purdy, obviously, is a he is a product of that state as well. So it'll be really interesting to see these Arizona kids as, you know, the influx of population and talent continues to increase getting there with Kenny Dillingham with a what we could prophesy to be a solid quarterback situation if Jaden Rashada lives up to the billing uh the Sun Devils could be on the right track now do I think they're going to be successful in the short term no they they have a lot of holes to fill on that roster and they have they have a lot of managerial things to figure out but I think it's exciting if you're a Sun Devils fan, and I can't wait to see what happens there over the next couple of years. At Auburn, a place that always make, makes headlines and has lofty expectations, Hugh Freeze uh, is, is there as the head coach now. And he has a proven track record of success and innovative offensive strategies that really make him a promising 
addition to this Auburn Tigers family, right? We saw in the spring game, he decided to go with a situational type scrimmage. And I, I like that. I like that a lot for, for Auburn moving forward. I think it was a little quirky, maybe a little bit of show, a little bit showy. It did end in a tie, but you really do, as a, as a coach, one of the foundations of what you do with a program is training those situational situational football and those sort of sudden impact defense, what you're doing in the red zone, four-minute, two-minute, and putting your team in difficult and compromising positions and seeing how they react to it. And so I got that out of that spring game. Not only that, but Auburn has quietly accumulated some good transfer players that I think are going to come in and make an impact for him. We talked about on the last episode a little bit about what they're doing on the offensive line and all that. But Auburn, much like Arizona State, is sort of in a position where they're going to be in that rebuild mode for a little bit. And there's only so far scheme and, and gimmicks are going to get you. They have to roster up uh, because the programs that they consistently run into and with the schedule that they consistently play, they have to get Jims and Joes into that program. Otherwise, it's going to continue to be the kind of mediocrity that unfortunately the Auburn faithful has become accustomed to over the last couple of years. So Hugh Freeze, I think that's really interesting there to see. I would not put it past him to be able to engineer something to clip and beat a team that maybe he's not supposed to beat this year. And obviously they play Alabama every year. They play Georgia every year. So it could be interesting. I, I, I don't know. I think, I think he gets somebody this year, but, um, but overall I wouldn't, I wouldn't put the expectations too high and just the message to the Auburn fan base, just please be patient and don't run another coach out of town. I mean, I would like to see a decent Auburn program. I think it's good for college football uh, and and not so much the circus that's happening there and has happened there over the last couple of years. So be patient with this guy. Give him some time to cook. For God's sake, take his cell phone. Don't let him get on social media or visit any gentlemen's establishments. But if he can keep that straight, I think he's a good. I think he's going to be a good football coach there. That's going to be able to build something for the future. Cincinnati gets a new coach, and Louisville gets a new coach. Now here's the connecting thread here. Cincinnati's new coach is Scott Satterfield who I would say underwhelmed at Louisville over the last couple of years. So I don't know if he's really value added to the Cincinnati Bearcats program, especially with them moving into the Big 12 picture, really moving up uh, in terms of competition in the league. I'm not exactly sure what that looks like down the road there for the Bearcats. But Louisville couldn't be happier with their coaching hire in Jeff Brom, who is known for his offensive prowess as a offensive guy, offensive play caller, and program builder. And he's done, I think, about as good a job as you can do at Purdue over the last couple of years. They've had marked improvement every single year under Jeff Brom's tenure there. And this, again, is a Louisville guy. He is a legacy guy returning to his program and we've seen success from coaches that have returned to their alma maters to coach so I think the situation for Louisville is is um is one of hope and optimism and uh, we'll see what he can do with that program so uh you know he 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 really did live up to turning Purdue into that spoiler makers program so we know he has the ability to knock off some big boys given the chance <laughs> 
We'll see what he's able to do with this roster coming into this year. There are some pieces there that are still at Louisville that could make for some very interesting TV. I'm just not sure how they really stack up in the entire Atlantic Coast Conference picture, but it, it, I think it's a, a definitely a good move for Louisville. I don't think that that Scott Satterfield situation there was a good marriage. I don't think it was a happy marriage there at the end. So uh, good on them going out and getting their guy to come in and lead the Cardinals. Another guy who is a program guy who's returned to alma mater is Georgia Tech's Brent Key, taking over from his interim role last year where Georgia Tech really did show some signs of life. Key does have an extensive knowledge of the game inside and out. I mean, Kirby Smart heaped a ton of praise on Brent Key, um, you know, from their past relationships and everything else like that. And he has a really strong ability to develop the players that he has, right? He's had to do that for a while in his career as opposed to being a recruiting slam dunk kind of guy. He's more of a player development kind of guy. And in the wake of that whole mess with Georgia Tech, you know, going from that triple option and then, you know, trying to make the transition into the uh, more traditional um, pro style team, you know, we knew that that was going to be a multi year kind of deal. The only problem with that was, you know, I think the Georgia Tech fan base was patient enough and the administration was patient enough it just seemed like jeff collins you know was a, gave a lot of coach speak and a lot of rah-rah but the the product on the field was not improving it was actually de degrading and and when when brent key took over you saw a, a different georgia tech type of team that played with a lot better fundamentals that things looked cleaner the team looked like they competed more so i think it was a good move for continuity reasons and also, you know, not going out and, and and spend in the bank to try to bring in somebody to a destination like Georgia Tech, which is a very tough place to coach, insanely hard roster or, uh, excuse me, uh, schedule, <laughs> right? Insanely hard schedule uh, and, and not a star-studded roster year in and year out, at least not right now. And um, I think that was a great move to uh, promote Brent Key to that head man spot. Another internal hire was Zach Arnett at Mississippi State. Now, obviously, in the tragic wake of Mike Leach's passing, Zach Arnett was promoted internally. I spoke on another episode about why I thought that was a really good idea by Mississippi State. Again, it's that continuity piece, it's that development piece. Zach Arnett has been able to put together a couple of very solid and impressive Mississippi State defenses over the last couple of years. He understands the recruiting landscape. He understands the roster there. And again, they're not having to spend the bank on bringing in, you know, a big time coach to what is a middle tier program there in Mississippi State for for the uh, the SEC middle to lower tier program historically, right? I saw something in Mississippi State's bowl game this last year, I forget who it was they were playing. I, I, you know, bad on me for not doing my research, but what I noticed out of that Mississippi State team was they came out and they ran the ball. That's what they did. They, so you know, I I understand uh, in in the wake of Mike Leach's Leach's passing and the pirate and everything else, you know, but. Getting away from that air raid system, I think, could probably be one of Mississippi State's 
best moves that they could make, to be honest with you, because that doesn't that doesn't lend itself to playing a a complementary style of ball. And we know that Zach Arnett's strengths is on the defensive side of the ball. We saw a more conservative, more balanced Mississippi State team that was able to lean on their opponent again. Apologies for not remembering who that was, but uh, and and really finish that game with line of scrimmage control, ball control, everything else. And I think that if Mississippi State, given the roster that they have, they have talented backs, they have good trench play, they have good defense. With playing a little bit less YOLO, risk it, you know, risk risk it biscuit ball, I think you could see a Mississippi State team this year that quietly could maybe be better than what they were billed at coming into last year. A little more complimentary football, a little little less desperate situations there on the field, a little bit cleaner pl- call of a game and everything else like that. I don't know. I think this Mississippi State team might actually be better off a little bit here in the long run, but only time will tell. Another team that we have to talk about here is certainly – Wisconsin. Let's go. Let's let's go with Wisconsin. Luke Fickle makes the move after being a highly regarded candidate for years to take a Power Five job. A lot of people thought that maybe he would wait out for that Ohio State job eventually. You know, if for whatever reason they were to, you know, part ways with Ryan Day, if he can't beat, you know, that hated team up north, right? But I, I still think we would have been. Uh, it would. I just think that was silly to 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 sit there and wait on the job. And I think he made the right move. I really do think he made the right move. There's there's nothing that says that he can't make an interconference change if that Ohio State job was to come available, especially if he was to go here to Wisconsin and do a great job there. Now, he he's, he's a guy, he's a leadership guy, a strong leadership guy, comes from that defensive background. I think he's a great fit for Wisconsin and what they do there. And I think he's going to be able to bring in some things offensively that are going to pull the Badgers maybe into the, the, the 21st century here. I think his biggest impact for the Wisconsin program is taking recruiting to a whole nother level that I, I really don't think Paul Chris was going to be able to do there. So those are some interesting coaching moves and wanted to talk about you know somebody other than Deion Sanders with the new coaching situation. So um, yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to seeing what – they bring to the table coming into this next year. What about some best non-conference games to watch, right? So I've got a few picked out. I've got more than a few picked out. Let's uh, start unpacking these, right? So on September 2nd, we have a slate of games that I'm interested in watching. We have Colorado at TCU. The only reason I am interested in watching this game, to be quite honest with you, is because I feel like it's going to go a certain way that the Instagram crew and the Dion fanboys might not want it to see go. I I think that TCU is going to handle this roster from from Colorado. It's going to get a lot of hype and a lot of attention because of all the media circus attention that Colorado has gotten over this last year. It'll be really interesting to see when the proof gets put in the pudding of what this Buffalo's roster could look like with a tough trip to Dallas-Fort Worth to take on the Horn Frogs. I understand that TCU will also be in a rebuilding year. Let's not mix words about it. It absolutely will with the amount that they've lost off of that roster. But even so, 
the talent level of TCU is just so much higher than what Colorado was working with, even with the inject of the transfers that Dion has brought in this last year because we've talked about the depth issues. That same day, Florida will take a trip to Utah for the second installment of that game. I think it's going to be a clash between, again, two physical squads. you still got Florida as an SEC team. They're still going to have speed and physicality and all that other stuff, but they are even more depleted than they were last year, losing, you know, obviously signal caller Anthony Richardson, and, and they're in full rebuild mode right now as Utah still has a lot of continuity on the staff and on the roster, I think Utah gets that get back in uh, there there in Salt Lake. So, um, but still interested to see how that game goes. We have North Carolina versus South Carolina on the same day. South Carolina under Shane Beamer, man, really showing some signs of life, and also with Spencer Rattler coming back. Uh, you know, an extremely talented and experienced quarterback at this point in time. It'd be really interesting to see that quarterback battle between Drake May and Spencer Rattler if the best of both of them show up. I might take the over on that one. On September the 3rd, we've got LSU versus Florida State Chapter 2. This one's taking place in Orlando this time, and this is a matchup of what I would consider to be with, I would say, you know, reasonable these two teams very well could be in the playoff picture. I'm just going to put it to you that way. I think that both of them have a lot of juice coming into this next year, a very, very talented rosters. The trajectory of the both programs are looking up. This one's going to be a great game, I feel like. On September the 9th, you got Texas at Alabama for their second installment. Again, huge matchup for both of these teams. Very very similar to the kind of feel LSU Florida State's going to have because you feel like these are teams that are – Definitely in the title picture, if not at least in that, you know, elite that that upper crust of college football, the guys that are going to be in the conversation and in the hunt squaring off. And I always love to see a good heavyweight clash between those teams. Some other honorable mentions here. We have Texas AM at Miami. We'll we'll talk about Texas AM and Miami here in a in a little bit. We'll unpack that a little bit. And then Notre Dame. Notre Dame, the team that just seems to have the common thread for all of the best matchups as they will play USC, they will host uh, Ohio State, and they will take a road trip to Clemson. So Notre Dame not shying away from the tough schedule yet again, taking on some of the sports marquee programs, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see how Marcus Freeman navigates that whole situation in his second year and kind of where they wind up going from there. I think it'll be Really interesting to see uh, what the Irish are bringing to the table for the 2023 season. Let's talk about some teams that can really upset the title picture as we wind towards the end of our episode tonight. Uh, I have a te- I have teams picked out from each one of the the comp- the Power Five conferences as well as a mystery team. I'll let you know who that is. And uh, so let's start first off with the Big Twelve. Let's talk about Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma right now has 40 to 1 title odds. And despite a disappointing season last year, Oklahoma has the potential, I think, to contend for this conference title with that improved defense. Now, I know everybody's talking about Texas. I, I understand that. I get all that. But I it's when you have a program that's established like Oklahoma, they have talent. They have brought in more talent, and now you're in a second year with that staff 
to be able to implement some of the things they wanted to do. Look out for the Sooners. Next, I want to talk about Texas A&M. Texas A&M, for the dumpster fire that they were last year at 5-7, and seven, actually have better title odds than Oklahoma does at 30-1 to one currently. Okay, I think that the team's success is going to depend massively on the off-the-field type stuff, the symmetry bef- be- between Bobby Petrino and, and Jimbo Fisher. What does that look like? I understand that a perfect marriage between those two looks like a much more improved and explosive offense with the kind of playmakers talent and the defensive uh, blueprint that they already have there at Texas A&M. And if they were to improve offensively and be that team that consistently scores in the mid to high 30s, you could be talking about a Texas A&M team that could be quite formidable. But the the age-old question is, what is... Again, I've touched on it so many times, that culture piece. And now you're bringing in Petrino and Fisher. I don't know if that's a good marriage, but we'll see. Time will tell, right? Penn State. I want to talk about Penn State. You got to watch out for the combination of playmakers and talent that Penn State has. They're loaded to the gills right now. They really are. I I don't have enough time to get into everybody that they have, but they have a loaded, loaded freaking roster coming into this next year. And with Ohio State switching over the quarterback situation, I understand Ohio State's extremely loaded too. I get all that. You know, and Michigan, Michigan, you know, they're back and they're ready to play ball too. But Penn State, watch out for them, man, because they are one big win against one of those programs from really upsetting the apple cart in that entire title picture as we know that it runs through the Big Ten and the SEC right now. Or I should say the SEC and the Big Ten. But you, you get you catch my drift of what I'm saying. I want to talk about one of the quietest teams that's usually one of the loudest teams in the offseason here, and this is in the ACC, and this is Miami. Miami has been really kind of crickets, I feel like, in the last couple weeks. I would say easily the last couple of months, ever since you know National Signing Day, you know, you heard a lot about Miami, and then you really haven't heard a lot about them since, as Clemson and Florida State have been and North Carolina have been eating up all the airtime in the ACC. I wonder if this is the year where nobody really talks about Miami, and then this is the year that it happens for them. I'll be very interested. They do have a very good defensive nucleus with Akeem Mesidor, Leonard Taylor, and safety Cameron Kitchens, who are all 100 top 100 ranked players for the 2023 season coming into this year. They're all preseason, all ACC selections. So it'll be an interesting uh, piece there to see what Mario Cristobal can do in his second year as the Canes head man. And then the mystery team that I left out, you guessed it, it's Notre Dame. Notre Dame, with the addition of quarterback Sam Hartman, which we talked about on last episode again, if you missed the last episode, please go back and listen, uh, really gives a boost to this Notre Dame passing attack. I think in a lot of ways, we talked about how transformative that quarterback situation there could be for Notre Dame because they've had the other pieces in place for a long time. They could really upset the apple cart and honestly probably are the most influential team in the national title picture because they have so many touch points. They play Clemson. They play USC. They play Ohio State. If they win any of those games, it's going to have a tremendous impact on what that conference picture looks like, what that title picture looks like, and Notre Dame is that common thread there. So I think it's super intriguing to see 
what Notre Dame is all about this year coming com- coming up here this fall. So those are our party crasher teams. And it is time now to answer that trivia question that we opened with. Again, this current Conference USA team won an FCS National Championship in 2002, led by players like Willie Taggart, Rod Smart, and Mel Mitchell. With the efforts of Coach Jack Harbaugh, this team was able to survive the chopping block and remain a program, and then they moved to the FBS level in 2009 with a record of 96 and 84. It is your three-time Conference USA champions, the Western Kentucky University Hilltoppers, where I am currently located here in Bowling Green, Kentucky, going through this course. I've familiarized myself with some of the history of this program, and uh, you know, honestly, hey, go Hilltoppers. I'm enrolled here as a student now, so like I said, I'm officially now a Western Kentucky Hilltopper along with everything else that I that I've uh, got going on. Need to work on a mascot though. I don't know I don't know how I feel about Big Red. I don't know. I I like it. I don't like it. It looks like a beanbag that's kind of come to life. I'm not exactly sure, but I will make it a point to follow Western Kentucky a little bit more closely I think moving forward. And obviously we know that they have absolutely lit up the scoreboard in some recent years with players like Bailey Zappi, so they are fun TV to watch. But now that I'm a student, I might have a little more of a vested interest. And that's all the time we have for tonight's show, folks. Thank you for spending some time here with me today on the Any Given You podcast. I appreciate it. Big love, much love to the U crew out there. Remember, uh, please leave ratings, reviews, tell your friends about the podcast, get them over to at Any Given You on Instagram or the Any Given You Facebook page and group and tell them about the podcast, obviously. And remember, any given time, any given place, any given team, you get it here at any given you.